episode 010 of the Energy Edge podcast. Hey, this is Megan Blacksmith of Zesty Ginger. If you're looking to gain more energy, I highly recommend the Energy Edge podcast because Treva and Brian are the bomb. It's all around exercise, uh, really, diet, getting enough rest. And I I really pay attention to those three because that's how you get real energy. Welcome to the Energy Edge podcast, where we believe if you desire to get the absolute most out of your work and life, then finding your Energy Edge is a must. The Energy Edge podcast will help you learn to leverage your everyday major activities into an energy advantage so you can work and live at an optimal level. So let's begin. Welcome to the Energy Edge podcast. I'm excited for our interview today with Lee Cockrell, former executive vice president at Walt Disney World. I became aware of Lee by reading his books and then met him through a mutual good friend of ours, Jody Mayberry. I'm going to ask Lee the following. Have you always been a high-performing professional? What's the backstory of why you're so driven? What major health issues have you had and how have you dealt with them? And much, much more. It's go time. We're here right now with Lee Cockrell. Lee is the former Executive Vice President of Operations for the Walt Disney World Resort. As a senior operating executive for 10 years, Lee led a team of over 40,000 cast members and was responsible for the operations of 20 resort hotels, four theme parks, two water parks, a shopping and entertainment village, and the ESPN Sports and Recreation Complex. He's now dedicating his time to a popular podcast creating Disney magic, public speaking, and also an author of a phenomenal book called Creating Magic, 10 Common Sense Leadership Strategies from a Life at Disney. This book is now available in 13 different languages, and his latest book, The Customer Rules, The 39 Essential Rules for Delivering Sensational Service, is available as well. Lee also performs leadership and service excellence workshops and consulting for organizations around the world as well as for the Disney Institute. Well, welcome, Lee Cockrell. It's truly an honor to have you on the Energy Edge podcast. Thank you. Good to be with you today. So where are you located at right now, Lee, since you're a world traveler here? I'm living in Orlando, and I'm in Orlando, so <laughs> that's good. For the time, right, until your wife kicks you out and tells you to hit the road, right? Yeah, she's going with me, though. We're going to California tomorrow, and she's coming along, and I'm coming back and going right to Munich for a speech, so that won't be as much fun. Yeah, and that's a heck of a drive, so... <laughs> Well, Lee, I absolutely love hearing backstories, especially of, of high-performing professionals, to kind of gain a perspective on where somebody has been. So, I mean, you are the essence of a high-performing professional, working as uh, your role executive vice president with Walt Disney, and have been a hard driver who's accomplished amazing results through the years. Have you always been this way? Well, I haven't always been this way as a child. I had, I didn't even think I ever thought about having to go to work. Uh, I just lived a happy life, and my brother and I played on the farm, and and uh, really, I never understood that whole drive thing and having these big long goals that you're going to try to create in your life and all that. And uh, and uh, no, but it 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 kicked in when I was about. Uh, I'd say 19 or 20 is when I started to get that feeling that uh, I need to really gear it up and uh, that I needed to work harder and focus harder and uh, learn more every day. So it was a it, it was a big switch over. 
So when you made that switch, it was almost like you drank the Kool-Aid and just went off to the races. So how did you get to the spot where you ended up as executive vice president at Disney? Well, I think I was the most le- le- likely to not succeed when I got out of high school. I was a pretty poor student. Uh, my parents never paid attention to our uh, grades or what we were doing and didn't get involved in it. Only 10% of the kids from my high school went to college back in those days, and so it wasn't even something I was thinking about. But I grew up on this farm in Oklahoma, and then um, my mother kind of had a series of weddings, so she got married five times over the years and uh, made a lot of bad choices, and then she made a couple of good choices, and uh, that fourth husband had money, so I got to go to college. <laughs> but I, I, was, good for you. I got to go to class. That was the problem. I went for two years and uh, went in the Army. And then in the Army, I learned a lot more about discipline, and I learned that I could learn things. You go there, and they teach you, and you learn, and you focus. And uh, I, I became a cook, actually, and I learned, you know, if you follow the recipe, things turn out right. And I kind of developed a recipe for my life, and I follow it pretty – I like routine, and I like uh, making sure I'm doing the right things every day. And so it just kind of – when I got started working, I saw there was opportunity for me to move up. So I just became very uh, inquisitive. I had a lot of curiosity. I asked questions every day. And the next thing I knew, I started as a waiter at the Washington Hilton, a banquet waiter. And then I got put in a management training program. And I think basically I got that because I had a good attitude and I was really a hard worker. I was there day and night. When they wanted me, I was there. I had a good smile on my face. I didn't uh, complain. And uh, somehow I think employers liked that. And I was able to get the job done. And I became somebody they could uh, trust to follow through and keep my promises. So that's probably the reason I got in. Then I started seeing how much fun it was to keep getting promoted (laughs) and getting more money. Yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. So what got you to the spot where all of a sudden you got on the radar with Disney? Well, I worked for Hilton for eight years and worked in Washington, met my wife there. Then we moved to Chicago. We had a baby, moved to New York city where I worked at the Waldorf story, then to Terrytown, New York, upstate New York, and then to Los Angeles and there I ran into my first kind of uh, obstacle, my boss. And I didn't get along. He was a real screamer. And I was working six days a week, 10, 12 hours a day. And so I quit. And I went to a little restaurant or a hotel out in uh, Pennsylvania. And I got fired after 90 days. The place went bankrupt. And uh, so after all of that, uh, I was out of a job. Ended up finally getting a job two months later with um, – Marriott, I was lucky, and uh, stayed with them for 17 years and had a great career and got quite a run. Got all the way up to uh, vice president of food and beverage operations, then got recruited by Disney in 1990 to go to France and open that project. So that was the way I got there. Wow, what a story, Lee. So why do you feel you're so driven? I mean, really hard driven. Is there a backstory behind that as far as... Um, feelings and emotions that kind of drove you, obviously going through quite a bit with your mom being married five times and uh, (laughs) college. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear to me that it's uh, insecurity, a lack of self-confidence when I was growing up. You know, when you're out there in the work, you don't have a degree, uh, you get self, I still worry about that. Sometimes I have these nightmares about not having a degree and not being able to find my classroom. Wow. That's amazing. And uh, I think that was it. I just didn't feel like uh, I had any opportunity to do anything. So I was working twice as hard and I had this real fear of failure. I didn't want to fail. 
and I wanted to, oh, and I'd learned to work hard. I grew up on a farm where you work. I mean, you don't think it's work. It's just what you do. So I, I had that in my blood and in my DNA that I, I knew you had to work hard and be there and put in the hours. And that's what I did to kind of overcome in my, I would say even today, I, you know, that self-confidence issue never leaves you if you don't have it. I mean, it's kind of lingering back there and you have to work hard to battle it. And, um, but as I got promoted through the years, I must say I'm about 10 times more self-confident today than I was back then. Yeah, you definitely earned that. But that's amazing though, Lee, that through even the years in your early success that you were still kind of plagued by that lack of self-confidence and that fear of failure. And that actually drove you to be even a harder driver to perform. It did. And it wasn't always the best thing for my marriage either. You know, I was never home. I was working all the time. And uh, my wife was great. I married a saint. She never complained about it. But I know it affected her when I wasn't there a lot. And my son was growing up and I was working day and night. But uh, that's all we had. We had to do it. We didn't have any money and we needed to eat. We had a baby and a, a rent for an apartment. And so I just kept doing it, kept pushing hard. And uh, I wouldn't recommend today to kids not to get their degree. I mean, that's really, uh, today you can't even get an interview probably if you don't have a degree. Back in my day, there was no computers. So people would actually see you. Yeah, so it was great. But uh, it uh, surprised me, my career, I must say. Well, you know, and it's been an amazing run for you too, Lee, and you are now in your 70s. Is that correct? I am. I'm 72. And look amazing. And I had <laughs> always said, you know what, there are, Brian, there are 40-year-olds, 70-year-olds, and there are 70-year-old, 40-year-olds. Age is simply a state of mind. Well, it is. And I work out every day. I uh, have a Stairmaster. I do 30, 40 minutes at four o'clock every afternoon. And I have strength training Tuesdays and Fridays. I've been doing that for about seven years. And it really, really makes a big difference, and I had it this morning, and uh, I'm, I feel stronger than when I was 20 years old in the Army, literally. I mean, That's keeping incredible. core strong and being strong and feeling good, I mean, it's, it's really, it, it's really a, made a significant difference, and I, I feel great at 72. I can still go out there and run for 30, 40 minutes or longer, and uh, not at the same pace, but I can still do it, and yeah. And obviously, it affects your energy that you have through the day as active as you are. Is that correct? Oh, I, I can tell you without the, if I hadn't been doing this, I couldn't still be working. Without energy and stamina, you can't stand I stand up sometimes for eight hours teaching seminars and uh, traveling and getting off a plane. And, and uh, I challenge everybody that doesn't take care of themselves to get up and in front of an audience for four or five hours and work with them and uh, have to have high energy and set a good example and and there's a lot of people couldn't do that. And it's all around exercise, uh, really diet and getting enough rest. And I, I really pay attention to those three because that's how you get the real energy. And Lee, I'm going to play that quote over and over and over for all of us energy fans who realize that in order for us to really get the energy edge that we're looking for is just as you said, Lee, is to leverage the things we do every single day, you know, our rest and our nutrition, what we're eating and uh, our movement with working out. I absolutely love that. But you've also had a significant health incident that literally stopped you in your tracks. Would you, would you be willing to tell us about that? Yeah, I did. My, my, my wife got very sick back in 08, and uh, she was in the hospital about 64 days over the year and uh, ended up with a very serious operation, and I had to take care of her for almost a year and a half, and 
She had some close calls in and out of the hospital. The bill was over $700,000 by the time it was finished. Luckily, I had Disney insurance still. and uh, But I progressively felt worse and worse and worse and finally realized that I was suffering from anxiety and depression and didn't know what that was because I'd never had it. And I was 65 when it happened. And uh, wow. it was uh, unbelievable. And my wife really, she kicked me in the rear and made me go to see a psychiatrist, which I did pretty quickly. And uh, he diagnosed it as a situational depression and anxiety from having to deal with such a stressful thing for a year and a half. You know, my wife had one at her temperature go up, blood pressure go up. I had to call the doctors. I wasn't getting enough sleep. I was up and at them and always worried about it. And, you know, it's amazing. It's almost like these military guys coming back. Uh, when you're in that kind of battle, I mean, it never ends and you're always on edge. And uh, so the psychiatrist was great. He diagnosed it. He put me on some medication, which I took for a year and a half because I was afraid of going back there. I got over it mentally and physically. I felt okay in about seven weeks after taking the medication. Cymbalta he put me on. And, uh, yeah, and I went – I just had I didn't know what how to deal with it and uh, it, and by the way he diagnosed it as it probably came back from my childhood, you know you never know what's back there. He said you know I he'd tell me about your life and I told him I I lived with my grandmother and she was my rock and my mother said to one day if every time she came to pick me up uh, I would scream and cry and psychiatrist said to well, Lee, do your grandchildren scream and cry when their parents come to pick them up? I said, no. He said, what that was, was you were two or three years old when your mother took you away from your grandmother and got remarried and moved away. And that's a form of abandonment by a ch for a child. You've been abandoned. And he said, when you thought your wife was going to die, that came rushing back. You thought you were going to be abandoned again. So let me tell you, there's a lot of stuff up in our little brains, that software that's good, and some of the software is bad. <laughs> and it can come back and bite you. And it did me. And so I, uh, I have to really pay attention to that now. I have uh, really I did meditation every morning. I did uh, acupuncture. I saw a psychologist every Monday. I went to see a psychiatrist every two weeks. I exercised every day. I really watched my diet. I quit drinking caffeine, uh, anything that would make it worse. I watched my uh, meals and what I was eating and um, – laid off the sweets, all these things kind of affect you when you're going through that kind of thing. And, uh, it was, it was tough. It was tough. I can tell you, I wouldn't wish it on anybody. And I think there's thousands, millions of people out there suffering from anxiety and depression that are not going for help. And that's what I worry about because my psychiatrist said, you know, women go for help. Men don't. And they get divorces and drink too much and use drugs and argue and all those things. And I really recommend psychiatry and medication can really help you get back over some of those deep, deep, deep problems. You don't even know where they came from. And that's very revealing real or um, Lee, because for you, I mean, one of your quotes that I love is saying, you know, everyone has a problem. You, um, you just don't know about it. <laughs> and, you know, that in your case, you know, looking back of how many things that were in your past that had affected you, but just being such a hard driver and getting, seeing the results, but yet still being willing to go through the difficult thing to heal and how much you've learned through that is, I mean, it's truly amazing. Well, it was, and I think it's deep seated, you know, and all of us, every time I got a promotion, I I couldn't figure out why they gave it to me because I didn't think that I was doing a very good job and they thought I was doing a great job. So that insecurity really goes down deep in you. And uh, I really had to battle that too. And uh, But we got through it. My wife and I have been married 48 years, 49 coming up. 
and uh, she stuck with me, and I stuck with her, and uh, she now says I saved her life, and I'm pretty sure she saved mine too. So uh, we're we're all that's an awesome story. Yeah. So within the driving you've had, Lee, and looking back, I mean, what would you say to a much younger version of yourself? Well, I think uh, today, hopefully, people will spot some of these uh, insecurities people have. I I worry about parents, uh, the way they're raising their children and not helping them to have more responsibility and have more responsibility uh, and be careful what they say and do in front of their children when they're growing up because you're... Parents are the main programmers of your brain. I believe that more than any. Parents are your main programmers. They're putting either good stuff up there or bad stuff. And and uh, I would say self-awareness is a big deal for people to sit back and try to understand uh, how they are really perceived by other people. And if you got somebody close to you, try to get them to tell you the truth about yourself. Luckily, I got my wife, and she's very clear about my <laughs> problems. And whether, so, whether you want it or not, right? I told her I was perfect, and she said, well, maybe your grandchildren think that, but I'd give you about a seven and a half. So <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Out of 22, right? Yeah. Now, I'm attending a lot of things, but, uh, you know, I, I, I have, uh, I'm, I'm defensive, and I had to really work to get over that. I, you know, any any feedback I would get that was uh, kind of uh, pointed at me, I would uh, get defensive and argue and push back and not like it. And one of my bosses one day said, Lee, quit doing that. He said, do you realize the whole world does not revolve around Lee Cockerell? And I think it's... Uh, it's it's a hard one to resolve if you're if it's in you by the time you're 16, 17, 18 years old. But you got to become aware of it first. And uh, I think uh, self awareness is a hard thing for a lot of people. They don't want to admit the problems they have and the issues they have. And if you got somebody you trust, ask them to tell you the absolute truth. And uh, if you can get the truth, you can go down the right path to get it resolved and fixed. And my wife kicked me and told me to get to that psychiatrist. <laughs> so. Well, and I love your Nobody point. Nobody else would tell me that, I assure you. Of course, of course, and probably wouldn't listen to anybody else too, right? And Yeah, probably. But um, I love the point of you saying self-awareness. And, uh, you know, same thing. I went through a difficult patch in my life and ended up, you know, seeing some counseling. And he taught me what's called the aha moment, Lee, which is the first part that starts with awareness. And then he says, it's got to go deeper where you're really honest with, which is the H of that, you're honest with what you become aware of. But a lot of people sometimes stop there, and that's just an ah moment. And the aha is when the last A, which is to take action. I become aware of what of it. I realize how bad it is and get honest with myself, and then I take action on that. And you're a great example of that, Lee. And it's been very easy just to rest on your laurels and your success through the years. But um, here, you know, being willing to say, you know what, this is big, and it could almost seem you know, like I'm failing a little bit and a little bit insecure of having something like this is slowing you down. How did you feel with that? And how did you wrestle that knowing that the world may see a different side of Lee Cockrell than what they've normally known? Yeah, well, I'm kind of open about those. Things. I told everybody what I was going through and I just laid it out there. And my family knew and uh, friends and people I used to have coffee with. And I, I was at the situation. I couldn't go have coffee with people anymore. I couldn't focus. I had zero interest. All I did was sit at home for six months and sit on the couch and worry about it. Then I'd go on Dr. Google and try to <laughs> nice. you know, prescribe my problem. Everything on Dr. Google is like the end of the world. So I recommend you don't do that. And, uh, and you worry about whether it can be cured. I think that was my biggest worry. Can't, I can't live like this. I can, uh, you know, is this going to go away? What's going on? How long is it going to take? And I remember the doctor saying, Lee, you will get better. 
And I've told many people that it suffer from anxiety. You will get better. It, do, it will pass. You will get better. You can get medication. And there's a lot of things you can do to turn it around. But you cannot sit and hope it goes away. you got to really fight it. And uh, that's uh, I think that's the thing I think about the most. you got to get up and fight it and uh, push back. But I told everybody about it, so they all know. I told them I'm mentally ill right now, so don't mess with me. <laughs> <laughs> that, now that's a way to embrace it my friend yeah and i told him i don't want to see you and i don't want to have coffee with you because i got a big problem right now i'm trying to resolve and uh like i didn't want to do anything i mean i couldn't go out for lunch i didn't want to go to lunch it's just unbelievable and i'm paralyzing it's paralyzing. It really is. I had no interest in doing absolutely anything. I canceled all my speeches. I canceled all my work. I gave it to somebody else to do for me. And, uh, and now I'm getting calls back from clients. I told the clients too. I said, hey, listen, here's my problem. And you would be shocked at how many told me I understand it. My son's going through that right now. My husband did. I did. It, it's a uh, widespread. And uh, so they, they, they were very good to me when I canceled. And then, and then one just hired me back for this year. They called me and said, are you okay yet? I said, yeah. <laughs> it's all, it's all it's disrespect, right? So I, it looks like, uh, yeah. So I'm in a much better place today, but I still have to watch it because I have a little bit of it. I can, I can still feel a little bit in my chest and not too much. I'd say I'm 95% okay, but it's, it's lingering there and I'm going to make sure it doesn't come back. Well, and good for you to know that uh, just even with my, with my adrenal um, crash that I had very easily can come back at any specific time. And, um, you know, just again, know thyself and be aware of it. And, you know, I'm really impressed to Lee of, you know, obviously the drive that you had had, you know, yet having a major, major setback in this, not only with your wife's illness, but then also with your struggle that you took that drive that you had and put it into getting, getting healthy again and really making that to be your focus. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about that? I would say the way I did it, you know, I teach time management for 35 years and I just put a book out on time management and I've just got an online course coming out in the next couple of weeks and uh, that Jody Mayberry and I are doing. And I would say I use my time management skills to start scheduling everything I needed to do to get over this. I said, my new job is to get well. So I started putting in my calendar, those appointments with the acupuncturist and the meditation every morning at eight o'clock and and uh, then I, as I got better, then I started going for coffee again. And then my life became starting to get back to normal. And then, but I scheduled it all. I scheduled my exercise. I scheduled my psychiatry visits. I scheduled everything. I use that day timer and that planner to, you know, they say schedule the priorities in your life. And that's what I was doing right then. And everything in that planner for about uh, well, nine months was re really result, re revolved around uh, me getting better. Nothing else. I didn't focus on anything else. And uh, so that was good. And luckily, I, my family was very supportive and our friends. And, uh, we got Which is it. what you need during that time. And it sounds like you know, your planning skills and your desire for control, which all of us type A, especially hard drivers, high-performing professionals have, it allowed probably for you to have a little bit of sense of hope because you can start to plan some things because you had a plan now and you felt like a little bit of control because I can do this, this, and this, which would help me to get better. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. I think anybody today that has a knowledge gap or any gap in their life, it's your own fault. If you don't know, I mean, you got Google, you got all kinds of research you can do. You got, uh, you know, uh, what you can learn about get going to experts when you got a problem in your life. I went to the doctors, I went acupuncture. I'd never tried it in my life and I loved it. It relaxed. I went to sleep on the table. 
the lady, get, I couldn't sleep during that period. I'd go there and she'd Interesting. put needles in me. I'd fall asleep. She gave me a bell to ring. She said, say, and <laughs> so I looked forward to going. And, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, you just got to get a plan together. I don't care if it's anxiety or depression or you're not happy with your job or you're not happy with your marriage or you're not happy with whatever your health. Uh, you got to get focused on making it go away. And that's what you need to work on. Nothing else till it goes away. You got to get it out of your life and take whatever action you have to. And that's, that's how I think about things is I'm going to make this go away. I, I tell people, if you do the hard things, life gets easier. If you put off the hard things, life gets harder and harder and harder. And that's a great quote. And, uh, I didn't love exercising every day on that Stairmaster. I was wringing wet after I finished every day, but I, every day I did it, I felt better. Then I went and took a hot shower. And then you know, it just got better every little day. It got a little bit better. And that's how you, you got to chip away at it. It's not going to, uh, you're not going to wake up one morning. It's going to be perfect. You know, and both of us have gone through difficult, you know, things obviously with you with the anxiety side and, and myself with the adrenal fatigue syndrome and, and that whole crash. But my goodness, it sure doesn't have to be the hard way, like the way that we have taken it, Lee. And so for many who have not gone or did, are not at that hard crash in our lives, what would you suggest to them? Well, I would say you really got to try to think about balance. And that's what I think about with the time management. I schedule, and even back then I tried to do it, but I didn't do it as well as I should have. Scheduling the things that are important and uh, thinking about all the things I should quit doing so I have more time to spend with my family or get to the soccer game or to take my wife out to lunch or dinner. And uh, today I am more focused on how to focus on the three or four most important things in my life. And I can say no today to people. And I, uh, I, I, I could go out to dinner every night. I get invited out every night. We say, no, we have, I need my rest. My wife and I, we go to bed at like nine 30. I get up at five in the morning Good and, uh, and uh, that that's important to us. And we plan our trips around there, getting there and time to get a rest and to, uh, eat the right foods and, uh, and to work in my exercise. And so, uh, I would say to people, don't underestimate this thing will come and bite you. You, when you're young, 30, 25, 30, 35, 40, you think you're going to, nothing can ever happen to you. Well, it can. And I thought the same way. And that was my problem. I thought I could do anything, go anywhere, be anybody. And, uh, I was not getting enough balance in my life. I wasn't getting enough sleep. I was uh, stressed out from work. Uh, uh, drinking probably too much wine at night. Uh, then after you have the first glass, you lose your judgment. Then you want a piece of chocolate to go with the second glass. <laughs> yeah, it's a downward spiral. Third glass, you want to have something. I mean, it's like, uh, and I, I really understand myself better today than I did back then. I used to make a lot of excuses. And, uh, and uh, some of that stuff didn't make me feel better. It made me feel worse. And you just got to really understand. Well, Lee, I mean, this has been, yeah. I'm sorry. And I, you know, I absolutely love, you know, everything you've mentioned. Are there any closing thoughts that you'd like to leave with us today? Well, I, I like to say to everybody, don't underestimate what you can achieve. I don't care whether it's an illness or if it's a job or a career or improve, it's never too late to get better and you can get better, but you got to go out and get experts to help you. Don't try to do everything yourself. Because I have experts. I, I'm a one-man business, but I have an expert computer guy. I have an expert website guy. I have an expert accountant. I, I don't know much about anything, but they do. And they keep me on track. And, and a psychiatrist, that's an expert. You know, if you break your leg, you go get it set. you got mental problems. And I guarantee you, if you do have some self-awareness, you'll figure out you may have a few little mental problems going on up there if you're not happy. 
and if your wife is not happy and your children are not happy. And uh, so I would say don't underestimate that you can't turn these things around. Just uh, pick yourself up, uh, let your pride slip slide over to the side and go talk about it and get it done because uh, your best days are ahead of you. And uh, don't let them, don't let it in there or you've run into an obstacle. Well, Lee, I've been absolutely honored to sit with you right now during this time. And I just want to thank you for investing into us and uh, encouraging us in this way. May you be blessed for it. Yeah, sure. Happy to be there. We believe sleep is foundational to develop an energy edge. It's challenging enough to be productive and creative, especially when you're tired or even exhausted. But what if you had a quick guide to give you a jump start, something to point you in the right direction? That's the exact reason for the sleep guide called Sleep Your Way to the Top, 10 Secrets to Getting Better Sleep. To download your free copy, visit www.energyedgepodcast.com. That was www.energyedgepodcast.com. You can also find the link in the show notes. Now, back to the podcast. This is the point in our podcast where Brian and I like to do what we call interview breakdowns. So there are things that stuck out to us, key different key points, um, things that really made a difference for us. So we loved Lee Cockrell's interview. I was really, I, I learned a ton of stuff. So Brian, if you could just give us maybe one of those things. Well, I want to say up front, I'm amazed by this man. I mean, what a legend, what a story. And I'm so grateful for his honesty that definitely encouraged and challenged me personally. And I hope it did the same for you. Now, my first takeaway was how revealing Lee was from his drivenness that he identified due to his insecurity, his lack of self-confidence, and a deep fear of failing. I mean, how could someone who became executive vice president of Disney ever feel that way? But yet he did. And he was willing to go back and unpack his story and counseling so it would not stop him from moving forward. I mean, how absolutely impressive and what a great model on how to handle difficult challenges in life. Yeah. I, 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 speaking of revealing, I thought, wow, what a vulnerable uh, interview. I loved it. You know, it, we, I think we can all relate to it. And when he was talking about going to counseling and then you actually brought up the point when you had gone to counseling of this aha, which I love because things that I hear like that, I don't ever forget. Aha, meaning A is awareness. H is honest. A is the action, taking action on that part. I love this. <laughs> I was even thinking, and you and I have talked about it, hey, I think we should make a podcast simply out of those three things. Well, especially coming out of this interview with Lee, because he epitomizes being aware of what was going on in his life, I mean, where it was headed, and the honesty of how bad things were and needed to change. Then I love he, how he went to such drastic measures to take the needed action. And this is a true example of an aha moment. He wasn't too proud to make these necessary changes. What was your second takeaway, Treva? Yeah, you know, we're talking about the high-performing business professional. He wasn't always into, you know, exercise and fitness and all of that. He actually, you know, as he grew into himself, so to speak, he started um, working out and doing all those things. So for him being like now a presenter of organization and how people for time management, he said this, it's important to schedule yourself into healthy. I love that quote. It's important to schedule yourself into healthy. So taking time to plan for health for yourself, otherwise, you know, it's not going to happen. I love that. Well, especially with Lee being a time management guru and willing to leverage it to schedule healthy. 
I love that phrase. What are the what nows for this episode? Right. Action items that are really simple. So one of the things he talked about were that there are three or four most important things in your life, kind of getting a grip on that. So this is the first one I would recommend is just writing down, taking a mental note of the three or four most important things of your life. I don't know that we always do that. So simple, right? But then number two, I would say as an action item is actually put them into action. So instead of being overwhelmed by all of them, just pick one of those today and then start with that one. So one of the three or four most important things in your life. Good takeaways, my friend. Let's wrap this episode up. Here's a preview for episode 011 entitled, Why Taking a Break Actually Increases Your Productivity. And this is a practical yet challenging episode talking about, well, there's four different natural reactions to not taking a break, three benefits of taking a break, six different types of breaks, and three different lengths of breaks, along with a couple of strategies to implement. This is a packed episode in 011. Well, thanks for making it to this point in the podcast. We value you and your time, and we'll try and do better next time. So go and get your energy edge on today. Today.